Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach. I'm so excited for you to hear from Creighton Reed today. Coach Reed is currently the passing game coordinator, quarterback coach at Lake Worth High School in Fort Worth, Texas. He's also a part-time staff member with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes serving the Waco, Texas area. Creighton's married to Shelby. Just an incredible young man of God, passionate about Jesus and making Jesus known. I can't wait for you to hear from Creighton, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach. You bet, Stuart. Thank, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So I'd like to start this off um, like, a, like uh, all of our other episodes, just with some background information. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, your family growing up, and then your family today. Yeah, so um, I'm from the heartland. I was born and raised, uh, born in Hastings, Nebraska, raised in Junietta, Nebraska, uh, which is right next to Hastings. Um, grew up in a town of about 755 people, so it was a very, very small town, um, bordered with Hastings, which was about 25,000 people. Um, invented, the, or Hastings is known for inventing Kool-Aid, so that's about all we got going for us. Um, go. Went to, uh, grew up. Um, in the same house pretty much my whole life, which was uh, a huge blessing for me. Uh, my dad, Gary Reed, um, is a sheriff officer in Hastings. Um, he went out of that for a short period of time into radiology, and now he's back in it today. Um, my mother, Carlene Reed, is a teacher in Hastings. Um, she's been all around the place teaching around Hastings, but she's settled into one school right now. And then I have a younger brother, Brecken, who is um, three years younger than me. Him and I are very close. He's currently a, a senior at the University of Nebraska Kearney. And then I have a younger sister, Shaylee, who is um, a senior in high school at Adams Central. So that's kind of my family growing up, where I'm from. Um, today, I am married to my wife, Shelby. Uh, we got married in December of 2017. Um, we met in 2016, I want to say. Um, so very, very short dating, very short um, engagement. We only dated for about eight months, engaged for about nine months. And um, I knew she was the one right away. So um, we've been together for a few years now. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about um, where I grew up and um, my family. Awesome. So um, did you grow up uh, in a family of faith? And then at what point did you realize that you needed to make it a, a personal relationship? Yeah, so definitely. My, my mom and dad did a great job of um, raising us kids in a Christian home. Um, it, was, it was a family that they, we knew exactly who God was, who Jesus was. We went to church every single Sunday. Um, we did Wednesday night Bible school, uh, prayed before meals, everything like that. Um, so we definitely raised in a house that knew who God was. We feared God, everything like that. But um, kind of like what you just said, Stuart, make your faith your own. That's something I did not do. Um, I, I definitely um, didn't um, necessarily see the need to surrender myself um, to, to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior um, when I was growing up because I thought I was doing all the right things. I thought my acts um, w- was good. It was like, a, it was like a, a checklist. Was I doing this? I go to church Sunday. Good. Was I, was I going to weekday school? Good. And so on and so forth. So I definitely didn't have my own faith at that time. Um, it wasn't until my junior year of high school, um, the, the summer going into my junior year, I actually attended a, a camp, um, an FCA camp in Grand Island, Nebraska. It was a power camp, and they were teaching us about doing sports God's way. Um, it was at that camp where I heard the gospel for the first time clearly to me. Um, God spoke to me at that camp, um, and it just I realized exactly who I was. Like I said, we knew 
we were raised uh, being taught who God was, who Jesus was, everything like that. But I didn't recognize who I was as a sinner um, and I, my need for a savior and, and, and um, that response factor. Um, so it was, it was that, that summer where I heard the gospel for the first time. I started digging into the word, um, getting to know God more and more and more. Um, and it was actually before a football game my junior year. Um, I was in a room by myself. School ended at 317. Um, at about 330, I was already in the locker room um, getting ready to go. I was going to do a quick Bible study by myself. I uh, went into, a, into the study hall room down there by our locker room and just started digging into the word. Um, and that path, I came across a passage I had never seen before. Um, and it was Galatians 2.20. And it said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And that just really pierced my heart, Stuart. I, I was like, I was, I, for me, it was all about doing the right things and are my actions good? Uh, do mm. people see me as a Christian, you know, doing all that kind of stuff? But I wasn't a doer. Um, I was all a hearer, like James 1, uh, I think it's 22, tells us be doers of the word, not, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That was me 100%. Um, so that really pierced my heart, knowing that um, I had to be crucified with Christ. Um, and honestly, that's just laying down all my selfish desires, um, laying down all my good deeds, because those aren't good deeds. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through perfect uh, perfect religion, perfect relationship with God. And I can never do that. That's what Jesus uh, came to live the perfect life and die the death that we, we, sh- we should have died um, and live in the perfect life that we couldn't live. So that's when I surrendered my life to Christ. I, I prayed to God, just confessed of all my sins. And um, has it been easy since? Absolutely not. Um, I'm not perfect and I will never claim to be. It actually got harder once I became a Christian, just being mm-hmm. convicted um, of so many things. And um, but that's that's definitely a, a moment I'll never forget. Um, and when God rescued me and just breathed new life into me, and that's definitely when I gave my life over uh, to Jesus. That's awesome. What a powerful testimony, because I don't know many juniors in high school that as soon as they get out of school, grab a Bible, right? Start no, it, digging it was, in. I mean, it, that's it was, clearly the Holy Spirit working yeah. on you. Yeah, but it, was, it wasn't awesome. me at all. It was all the Spirit. So very, very thankful for that. And I'm glad that... Uh, Again, I was raised the way I was raised, but there was definitely a, a point in my life where I had to do it. Um, and I couldn't live by my parents' faith or anything like that. So it was definitely a God thing. God breathed a new life in me. So that's a great reminder that it is. I mean, we talk about it all the time, you know, um, all, interviewing people that, you know, about it being a personal, because a lot of people talk about I grew up in church mm-hmm. and then, you know, it's not uncommon. Like, story like yourself. And I mean, for me, it was age 15. I grew up in the church and mm-hmm. I did, you know, what we call joining the church, if you will, when mm-hmm. I was younger, but it was, I was 15 when I realized that, you know what, I was trusting church membership mm-hmm. um, over trusting Jesus. And so I think it's very common, um, yeah. you know, your experience that you, especially growing up in a family of faith, a lot of times it's, it's later in the teen years or even after you realize that, you know what, it, it's personal. It's not my parents. Yeah, it, it's definitely personal. And I think it's, I think sometimes too, um, a lot of, and growing up, I was, I was really confused on the, on the checklist thing. And I wish I would have heard this sooner because again, that can be very dangerous. Um, especially mm-hmm. like, um, for me anyway, this is my personal story, but like just seeing all the right things and, or seeing the things that 
make up a checklist, like going to church or being baptized, even as an infant, that's something um, that I did. And by that act, I thought I was saved. Uh, And that's not the case. It's a personal surrender um, of your life over to Jesus and has nothing to do with anything um, worldly or anything like that. But it's a surrender of your heart over to the Lord and um, making that relationship relationship personal, like you said. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah, that's that's huge. It's just that that reminder of the that it is personal. And I think uh, the checklist is, is, is scary because mm-hmm. we we need to do good, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. But, Not but for ourselves. <laughs> right. But it's, it's the why, Yeah, you know, so, and we'll, uh, we'll get back into faith here a little bit. I want to talk, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned, you know, playing sports. So you, you did play some college football um, for two years. So talk about that journey, um, of, of college football and where that led you. Mm-hmm. So out of high school, had a very successful high school career, not because anything I did. We had some great players on our team. Um, from my freshman year to my senior year, we made the semifinals three times, uh, which was an awesome experience. Freshman year, we never even touched the field. All we were freshmen were on the sideline, but that was one year we made it. And then my junior and senior year, the, the years I actually got to see the field and start um, were both semifinal appearances. So very successful high school career because of my teammates and coaches. Um, because of that, I had got the opportunity to play um, at a Division II school in Northwest Nebraska called Shattern State. Uh, growing up, that's not anything what I wanted. Um, I Growing up, I always wanted to be a Division I college football player, go play at the University of Nebraska, do the tunnel walk, go Big Red, all that good stuff. Um, but definitely um, in junior high, I, I faced the reality that, hey, Um, And I think all kids need to kind of realize this. I think it's a good learning point that no matter how hard you try, no matter how much time you put in, no matter how much film you watch, some of us just aren't cut out to be division one college football players. And Mm -hmm. that definitely hit home for me. Um, I I was, in my opinion, the hardest working kid on our team. I was in the weight room all the time. I watched the film um, all the time. I had the most hours on film. I was asking coach questions, et cetera. But I definitely, not many Division I schools wanted a 5'10", 5'11", 170-pound soaking wet quarterback on their team. So (laughs) um, I ended up, um, had some opportunities throughout Nebraska to play at different schools. Um, But Shattern State definitely stuck out to me because it was in a different area in Nebraska I had never really been to before. Um, I heard of Danny Woodhead growing up. He was a big-time running back there, went on to play in the NFL. So that was intriguing to me. Um, but I, I kind of just wanted to get away from home for a little bit. And uh, even though I love my family, um, but I wanted to get away from home and kind of just go experience something else, uh, what else the world had had to offer and just see something else and kind of, again, start to grow up. Um, so I ended up committing to Shattern State. Um, went up there. I graduated in 2013, so went up there in the fall. Um, and I wish God would have done this sooner. I don't know if it would have changed anything, but ended up gaining about 30 pounds from my senior year to my freshman year of college, which was, which was pretty cool. So I went up there, um, never saw the field at Shattern State. I went there and was a practice player for two straight years. Uh, again, worked my tail off. I had um, multiple weight room records for quarterbacks. I broke the vertical record and was the strongest quarterback there while I was there. So I busted my tail and just tried to lead by example for our football team. But again, wasn't talented enough to play, um, but I went there and just wanted to wanted to work and um, be a good example for my teammates and just do the best with with the time I had there. Um, it was after after that second year that um, 
after, after I um, got done or after two years there, I just really felt a, a calling to get into coaching, which is something I'd wanted to do from a very young age. Um, when I, once I realized, which was before junior high, even once I realized I wasn't going to the NFL or anything like that, um, I was like, well, what's the next best, best thing uh, where I can still stay in the game? And that was coaching. Um, I grew up just idolizing Tony Dungy, um, Ron Brown, just those great Christian coaches. Uh, they had a huge impact on me with their books, um, with the, with the, the, the school visits coach Brown did just listening to him and, um, camps and just different things like that. I grew up wanting to be them. Um, so I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get into coaching. Um, so I just started looking at opportunities on where I could coach at. Um, and it was at that time, Nebraska Kearney just made a coaching change. Um, they brought in, uh, uh, the head coach by a guy of the name Josh Lamberson. He was the offensive coordinator at central Missouri. This was his first head coaching job. Um, I just watched videos, read articles on him. He seemed like a solid dude, um, solid coach, good Christian man. Uh, so I was like, I want to, I want to find a way. I'm going to shoot him an email, see if I can get on staff with him. Um, and also Carney was a little bit closer to home and my brother was coming up on his senior year of high school. So I, I really wanted to be there to be able to watch him play football for a year. Um, so it kind of just checked a lot of the boxes. I grew up, grew a lot in my two years at Shattern, but it was time to get into coaching and, get back and be able to watch my brother play for his senior year. Uh, so I shot him an email. He ended up contacting me, said, yeah, come on. Um, you can be a student assistant, coach wide receivers for us. And that's all I needed to hear. I, after that, after that spring and shatter, I moved to Kearney, um, had a little apartment by myself and, uh, actually was with a buddy, but he wasn't there in the summer. And it seemed like myself cause I, I was early mornings, late nights coaching, but, Moved to Carney in uh, 2015 and started coaching wide receivers there. So um, was there for was there for three years. Um, ended up um, actually after about six months, ended up just making my office my home there. I moved into the health and sports center in Carney and slept on my office floor and just just made a, a living out of college coaching. And I had an absolute blast with it. Thankful for Coach Lamberson for giving me the opportunity to coach there. Um, and bringing me in. And I just grew up a lot. I mean, I thought college college football was hard. um, And I was still, when I transferred, I was still a junior or a junior in college. So I was still like a college student. So, but I had to act like a coach. I had to um, have all the roles of a coach and it it wasn't the college life anymore. It was in the office, early mornings, late nights, um, checking in. I had alone had to go to classes and then I had to check to make sure my receivers were going to classes. So there's just, it was an awesome opportunity and, uh, glad I, glad God made that transition for me to shatter into Kearney and get those three years of college coaching. That's awesome. That's a, that's a pretty cool Testament to you as well to realize, um, when to make that, that move. Right. Yeah. Um, it was, it, it, was def- it was definitely time. So, yeah. And so after a few years of coaching, um, you end up, you know, God kind of calling you into ministry mm-hmm. to go on staff with the uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And, and you, you come to Texas um, mm-hmm. to Waco, right? So talk about that journey of three years college coaching. You know, you felt like that was your calling and then you, you, you go into full-time ministry. Yeah. So I'm throughout your life. I mean, you look back on your life and most of it's probably a blur, right? There's not a whole lot of things you can remember. Well, God was gracious to me in the fact that I had like just significant moments in my life back to back. 
obviously moving to Kearney and starting my coaching career. I'll never forget that in those three years that I spent there. Um, learned a lot of valuable lessons, um, learned under some great coaches. Um, and then a short time later, met my wife, boom, another significant moment. Um, then our wedding day, boom, another significant moment. And then one that um, that my wife and I, Shelby, are very, very thankful for was our move to Waco, Texas. Um, so kind of how that all happened was we were in Oh, let me think back. We were in the spring, I think maybe winter or spring. Um, I'm getting my master's degree at Kearney. Um, still have one more year left. So I actually still have one more year on staff as a grad assistant at Kearney. Um, still have more classes to take. And my wife is just finishing up her bachelor's degree in speech pathology at Kearney. Um, it was during that time where Kearney offered her a graduate assistant position. I mean, she she had it all going for her and, uh, and her program. We could have stayed in Kearney and been very comfortable, very happy, been by family, been by friends, been in the church we were married at, um, so on and so forth. I mean, there, there wasn't a thing that wasn't there in Kearney. Um, but she also um, had a professor that she worked with at Kearney that got a job at Baylor. Um, mm. So she, she did uh, she did research with her and she she was very impressed with Shelby. Um, as anyone who would be if they meet Shelby and she wanted to get her down to Baylor. So she gave her a call and said, hey, what do you think about doing grad school, getting your master's degree in speech pathology down here in Waco? And Shelby and I talked about it. Um, we had just been in, we like I said, we were married in December. So we just moved in together um, in January, had our own place. And this was like a few months after having our own place. Everything was going good. But we just prayed about it, Stuart. And to be honest with you, we just felt like, you know what, let's go, let's go check this out. But what am I going to do? And so I can't just call up coach rule at Baylor and be like, Hey, you need an extra coach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I still have one more year left as a GA. He already got all his GAs in. So I was like, man, what am I going to do? So um, I had an internship in, in Carney with FCA, um, been involved with FCA as a, I was going to different high schools and speaking and, uh, just learning under some great leaders of FCA in, in Nebraska, Nate Lewis and Robbie Trent and different guys like that. And I'm like, FCA Waco, just got on Google and typed that in. And a guy by the name of Ben Johnson's name came up. Um, so I just shot Ben an email saying, hey, just I'm a Nebraska guy, college coach up here. My wife's looking to go to grad school at Baylor. Um, is there any positions on FCA staff? Um, where, where you're hiring. And he got back to me like that same afternoon. Let's, let's talk on the phone. So we got on the phone and just had a great phone call. Um, he said, when are you coming down? And I said, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to go look at Baylor. And he's like, well, why don't you and your wife stay with me and my family? We'd love to get to know you, show you around Waco. Um, so we drove down there and just, they became um, another family for us down there. Um, we stayed there about, I think it was about three nights um, fell in love with the family, fell in love with Waco, fell in love with Baylor and everything about it. He offered me a job before we got on the road. Um, Shelby was offered some great scholarships um, to go there. So we felt really, really good about it. We didn't commit to it. Um, but um, so we got on the road. We just stayed at VTEX, great barbecue spot in Waco and hit the road, headed north, going back to Nebraska. And we were just talking and praying about what should we do? Should we stay in Kearney and be comfortable? Um, do we get out of our mm -hmm. comfort zone? Um, God, where, where would you want us to be? And, um, it was after we actually got done praying that Shelby got another phone call from Baylor and they threw another scholarship on top of what, um, they already gave her just the day before. And we're just like, God's telling us to go to Waco, isn't he? And, uh, it wasn't necessarily the easy thing to do. Um, but we, uh, 
I called Ben. I said, Hey, sign me up. I'd love to be on staff with you. Um, I've always been interested in sports ministry. Um, it's something I feel like I was doing as a coach, but I'd love to be able to be on FCA staff as well and just love and serve coaches in the area. Um, part of my, part of my job with that was, uh, working at, with Baylor FCA on Monday nights with Ben. And then I had six different high school campuses around Waco, um, where I just got to go and visit with coaches. And, um, it was just, a, it was the right time for us to move. So yeah, in, uh, in August of 2018, um, we ended up moving down to Waco and that's kind of where, um, coaching college coaching came to a, a stop for me at that time and really coaching in general. Um, and I stepped into this role. That's awesome. I mean, that's a, quite a, a God story, right? I don't know many people from uh, Nebraska that just look at a map <laughs> and go, all right, let's go to Waco, Texas. Well, and here's uh, the, here, here's the other thing too, it, that just shows God's story. Um, for sure. We, uh, we weren't sure how we were going to do it just with Shelby. I mean, even with scholarships, um, going to Baylor was going to be tough for us, uh, financially. Um, but just God opened up so many doors for us with FCA that, we actually met a family down there while we were visiting um, who had a house there on the Brazos River. And uh, they were living in Houston at the time. They were in Waco now and we were roommates with them for a while. Um, but we just stumbled across them at an FCA event, started up a conversation. Like you said, God thing, God story. Um, and they, they were like, hey, we're not living there right now. You and your wife are more than welcome to just live in our house and um, not – we're not going to ask anything from you as far as finances go, just live there, take care of the place. And um, we'd wow. love for you to be there. So that was another family, um, Ed and Cheryl Butler um, there in Waco. They, they blessed us in so many ways and God bless, um, God bless them through that. And it's, it was just really, really cool to see God opening, just not even open, just kicking down doors in order for us to make that transition and make it possible. That's awesome. And then you, you know, after a, sh- short time on full-time staff, you, you, you re-enter the coaching, um, in, in Fort Worth area, Mm -hmm. Lake Worth high school. So talk about that transition and, you know, where you felt God leading you back into coaching. Yeah. So, um, I were, I was on staff full-time with FCA started in August. Um, but it was around, it was around probably January, um, where I, I asked Ben to go to lunch, um, my, my director, um, and just, telling my heart and I, I really, really miss coaching Stuart. Um, I missed, miss being with the kids every single day, um, miss watching film, um, miss in a way I missed a lot of those long days, believe it or not. Um, I missed Saturday or in college it was Sunday mornings, but I missed Sunday mornings after a win. I missed Sunday mornings, even after a loss and just the challenge to, you know, figure it out, watch film, what went wrong, what didn't. Um, and just for the kids, um, having a relationship with like a position group, I think that's really special. Um, mm-hmm. I had a great relationship with a lot of the receivers I coached at, coached, um, at Kearney, um, just having those kids over for dinner, getting to know them, loving on them, um, and just being a great influence for them. Um, so it, it was kind of, it was kind of just time for me. I was like, you know, I, I absolutely love everything I'm doing with FCA. There wasn't a bad thing about it. Um, but I definitely felt called to, just being coaching and um, there was a, yeah. So to transition from that, Ben gave me the blessing. He's like, Hey man, absolutely. Um, I don't want, I'd rather have you as a coach, honestly, than on staff as much as it, that hurts to say um, because he wanted, it hurt him to say that because he wanted a a Christian coach out there um, on the front lines. And I was humbled when he said that, but it just, 
it felt like the right time for me to get back into coaching. So I started looking for jobs all around Texas. I was sending out emails, um, just doing whatever I could to get an opportunity. And I started to get some responses. Um, ideally, I, I was trying to find a PE job, which is a needle in a haystack in Texas. And everyone was telling me that they're like, Hey, you're not going to get a PE job, quit trying. But I was already certified in PE. Like I already or I had taken my content test. So it was really easy to get my certification through PE. So that's just what I was looking for. Um, and Ben and I had just had a conference in Fort Worth um, and, he, and we were driving back to Waco and he, he was asking me, Hey, how's your job search going? And I said, well, I actually found a PE job. And he said, well, where's it at? I said, it was in Lake Worth, right by Fort Worth. Um, I got a coach by the name of Tracy Welch just took the job. And he's like, I know Tracy Welch. Like, How do you know him? Well, he used to coach at Coppers Cove, and which is in the heart of Texas FCA area. And uh, so Ben knew him from a victory bowl, which is a big um, mm-hmm. all-star game that FCA puts on there in Waco. So he knew him from that. So he's like, let me give you, let me give him a call for you. So he gave him a call, put in a good word, um, heard back the next day from Coach Welch. When can you get up here for an interview whenever you need me? So I was up there the next day. Um, interviewed with Coach Welch and Coach Reigns there in the there in the field house, and he intimidated me a little bit. He pulled out a list and he said, "Do you understand what you're going against?" This, uh, and he pulled out a list, and there was just page after page after page of just so many coaches. And I, I don't know why he did that. He was seeing if I would just fold up and just walk out the door or what. But um, the interview went really well. Um, showed me around. I really enjoyed the area and uh, enjoyed the coaches and. Um, so it was about a week or two later where he ended up calling me and offering me the job. So um, it was kind of a no brainer. Well, yeah, he called. And he's like, if I offer you this job right now, are you going to take it? And I was prepared for that because I talked to Shelby about it. I talked to Ben about it and he offered me the job. And I, it was a no brainer for me. I took it right away. And um, God definitely opened up that door for us to move up here now. So, And you're still – part-time staff with FCA, right? So talk, I mean, how do you balance that? Because like you said, you miss those even working weekends and those long hours. So how do you balance the FCA role? Yeah. So it's really, really cool to um, work with just such great um, directors and and bosses. Um, Ben Johnson has been great for me. So I'm no longer an area rep for FCA. I'm an FCA ambassador. So really my role for FCA now um, is really just a huddle leader coordinator for a lot of camps. Um, so we have a camp, a coaches and captains camp at Baylor in the summer. So I'm in charge of recruiting huddle leaders for that college athletes around Texas um, and just building relationships with the college athletes throughout Texas and at Baylor um, and just getting to know them better and train them, disciple them, um, and then prepare them to serve in these camps as huddle leaders. So that's just really probably my favorite part of the job is getting able, being able to do that. And then there's other events um, that we have with FCA, like Day of Champions, um, mm-hmm. that we hold at Midway High School, where we have 100 junior high kids throughout Waco come, and I recruit huddle leaders for that day um, and just kind of prepare them. That's a little bit quicker pace, so not much training goes on there, but I recruit them, and we go in there and have fun with that. Um, but really the biggest thing with, with FCA is just that I love and that I'm still able to do is just relationships, um, having relationships with a lot of my ministry partners, um, being able to love on them, pray for them, um, and just build so many relationships through that. And then, uh, just the opportunities to all the relationships I built, um, with coaches in Waco, um, just being able to continue to stay up to date in those relationships and, 
um, see how they're doing, see how their family's doing, how their coaching's doing. Um, so it, it's, it's a unique, um, it's a unique blend. Um, but at the same time, I think it's very similar FCA and coaching. It's really not much of a job switch for me. Um, I'm able to do both of those. I can do them on the same day. Um, being able to recruit, talk, talk sports with different coaches. So mm -hmm. it, it really wasn't a hard transition for me. Um, my wife, Shelby has made it very easy. She's, she's absolutely amazing. And she's a part of both of those jobs with me. She, she's able to just support me and help me balance both of those. And, um, yeah, it, it, like I said, Stuart, it's not really too much of a, a switch to go back and forth. It's my, my director makes it pretty easy. Gives me, Hey, these are your tasks to do for the week. And, um, keeps me in line. So it, it hasn't been too challenging. So you mentioned your wife a lot in that question and you mentioned the word balance. So mm -hmm. how do you practically speak and balance mm -hmm. coach FCA with being a husband? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing first on that list is husband. Um, and that's, that's one thing that uh, I, I definitely take the most serious um, in being able to just take the time to love Shelby and for her to love me as well, just throughout the day, whether that's in the mornings and the evenings, just being able to talk, um, say what's on her heart. She's the biggest prayer warrior and encourager that I know. Um, she's always, she's always praying for me um, and encouraging me um, both in coaching, both in FCA. And she just really keeps me grounded in that. Um, so I think, I think the big, biggest thing, Stuart, is just being able to prioritize what's important in life. And for me, that's definitely being a husband. Um, so just, um, being able to do that, keep that front and center. Um, but also being able to just, um, take time to spend with God and in his word. Um, a lot of the time for me, that means earlier mornings. Um, I'm typically during the fall a 4am guy. Um, I like to be able to get up get in the word, spend about 30, 45 minutes, um, in that, and then just take time to work out and just make sure that just helps me keep my mind right. Um, and, and just being able to back like you said, balance all that. Um, it, it's difficult, but you, you got to put your priorities um, where they need to be. And for me, that's definitely a, being a husband first. And, and from that, I feel like I have more energy when I go into that coaching role or any, or anything, any of those other jobs, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, fueled up, I guess is the right word to be able to go out there and be able to be the best coach I can be, be able to be the best teacher I can be. Um, be the best friend I can be because I'm taking care of myself and I'm taking care of my wife and she's pouring into me and fueling me up and we're spending time with, with our God every single day. Um, I feel like that fuels you up and allows you to, it gives you a boost to go out there um, and be great and everything else. Because if you're not being great to yourself, if you're not being great to your wife, uh, if you're not spending time with the Lord, I feel, feel like that gauge uh, in your coaching life is going to hit empty real, real quick. Um, and for me, that was the case sometimes when I was back in Nebraska and Kearney. Um, I hit empty real, real quick because I didn't prioritize the right things. So um, I think it's it's definitely being able to prioritize those. And you pour into the right things, and they don't deep, they don't put your, your gauge to empty. They actually fill you up and allow you to be great at every other thing in your life. Well, that's good. I like that. I mean, just – and that's with anybody, right, the yeah. – prioritizing time in the word. If it means getting up earlier, which I do the same thing. I'm a 4 a.m. guy because I start work early. Yeah. Um, and I can tell a big difference in my um, my day mm -hmm. when I don't do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and I, and I think you're, you definitely hit on, hit on that as a, I mean, that's huge. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's good stuff. Um, obviously faith 
clearly plays a big role in who you are as a coach. Have you, in your coaching stops, have you ever felt any resistance from either administration, other coaches, players, parents? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I wish, I wish I could say different, but that would be a lie. Um, I definitely, I, I try to wear um, my faith out loud. And um, I want people to know I'm a Christian and I want to act like a Christian. Um, and I want, I, want to, I want all my actions to represent Christ um, and be my be- do the very best I can to put Jesus in front of my players every single day and put Jesus in front of the coaches every single day. Do I mess up? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't been perfect in that. I messed up in Kearney. I, I messed up in Shatter and I've messed up here. I'm not perfect. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, that's, that's something I take very serious. Um, and I try, I try to live my faith out loud. So, um, that people know me by as I'm a Christian coach. Um, so yeah, I, I have felt resistance with that from other coaches. Um, it's been hard at times. There was a, there was a point in Kearney, um, where, um, where I was met with some resistance from another coach. And, um, I actually spoke up to that, um, and was kind of ridiculed from that saying, well, you know, this is, this is how we're doing it here. That's none of your concern. That's none of your business. Um, even though I was, I was seeing things in the program that we weren't, we weren't saying our program was built on. Um, and so that, that really bothered me. Um, and as a young coach at the time, um, I, I didn't really know where to go or what direction to go. Cause I, I was still trying in coaching. It's all about like taking the time to earn your spot or work your way up and, you know, please the right people, kiss the right feet, that type of thing. And I knew what I was doing wasn't kissing feet. It wasn't sucking up to anybody. And uh, I, I definitely was met with some resistance with that. But I knew that my God was bigger than that. And my God was greater than that. And that my my faith, some people were going to be able to um, see, see I was different in that way because I wasn't supporting what was going on and um, was met with resistance. Shelby was met with resistance. Um, and But mm-hmm. it definitely bonded us. It brought us closer together. Um, it, we, it definitely showed that we weren't afraid to stand for what was right in relationships and just, um, and it was, it was a, it was a, it was a time where it was resistant, but it made us stronger. If that makes sense to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, when we face difficult times like that, it does, it does strengthen yeah. us as individuals. And then, like you said, if you're going through it, like in your case with your wife, um, mm-hmm. very clearly, you know, it, it is something that can bring you together. Yeah. Um, what would you say to a, a, a student athlete that's listening or a lot of our listeners are, are coaches and mm-hmm. no question that athletics is a platform mm-hmm. it can be used for good or bad. And that's a whole other conversation, but clearly it is a platform. So what would you say to that coach or that student athlete that's listening that um, is a follower of Christ understands the platform and really wants to step it up and using it um, to be more bold. How would you encourage them or what advice would you offer? Well, just from my personal experience, um, just starting off as a player, um, when I realized that junior year, when I gave my life up for Christ, I love sports and sports was my God going up into that point. And even after I surrendered my life to Christ, um, sports was still a huge platform for me, but it was just that, that mind switch that my identity can't be in sports, something, mm. something outside of sports, um, it, it is what defines me. And that's a relationship with Christ. That's being, um, in a relationship and side by side with him. Um, a football coach is an occupation. I mean, it's not something of who I am. And I think as a player, you know, being a football player, you look on, 
you look on a lot of social media and they'll do like number four for the university of such and such like that defines who you are. Um, and I think that's dangerous um, because you, you don't necessarily know who and what you're playing for because sports are eventually going to fade. And my life should be for Jesus Christ who dies and rose, rose for my sins and not just being able to play the sport because eventually that's going to go away. Um, you know, there's different, there's different, um, if we had, if we tired identity into sports, it's dangerous because eventually that's going to change just like anything else we have in life. Like I, I, at one point I was, I was a, a high school athlete. So, you know, I was a high school kid. Then I became a college athlete. Well, guess what? That eventually ended. Then I was a college coach. Well, guess what? That eventually ended. Your identity is always changing. But when you're grounded in your faith and when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you know him as your Lord and Savior and you're having the mind of Christ and you're pursuing that and everything you do, I think that sticks out to other coaches and that will stick out to your teammates um, in such a way that um, they'll eventually notice that something's different about you. And that it's not just it's not just living it out, too, because I hear that all the time. You know, they'll notice something's different about you. That's not always the case. You're going to have to go up and talk, have those conversations with, with mm-hmm. people. Uh, but it's just having the mind of Christ and um, being able to um, just steward those opportunities that God gives you, whether you're a player with your team or that's with a coach and having a conversation with another coach or one uh, with one of your players, players or anything like that. And I feel like, um, I mean, it's not just for, for coaches and athletes, but anybody, I mean, if you're walking close with Christ, you're really – with a sincere heart, have that desire to use whatever platform you have, mm-hmm. then you're going to have the opportunity. And yep. to your point, I mean, now you got to take advantage of those opportunities because they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, God, God's going to give you those people um, to have those conversations with. It's just up to us to um, be ready. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing too, it's, it's during those times of trials and tribulations because people are going to watch more when there's mm-hmm. trials going on in your life within a program or after losses than they even will when you're winning. Um, I think in today's society, there's a huge disconnect um, between um, doing sports God's way because we think Mm -hmm. a lot of people think, um, and I'm guilty of it too. I'll be the first to raise my hand because I was exactly like this and I still can't be like this when the lights come on, but there's a disconnect from that pregame chapel to that postgame prayer. And Mm. in, in that three hours in between of a football game, it just all goes to hell. We all go to hell. And, and when we go to that post-game prayer, go, God, thank you so much for this game. And Jesus is just sitting up there like, I wasn't even invited to this game. You wow. know, so there, there's that there's that disconnect right there. And I think being able to bring that, bring your faith into the game and being able to do that when the lights are on, when, when flames are flying everywhere, when Satan is in your head and on the shoulders of so many people around you, um, I think that's the biggest time to where you're going to make a difference and you're going to influence a lot of people during that time, just being able to go up to a coach or a player and remind them who they are in Christ and that his love for us is going to be the same, whether we win this game or whether we lose this game, but the wins are going to come from our relationship with Christ during the, during the, during the fire of that game, you know, whether that's when things are going good or things are going to go bad. That's awesome. That's good. I love that analogy that disconnect from chapel to post-game prayer and everything in between is a little messed up. I think a lot of us can say that um, whatever profession you're in, you know, mm-hmm. that morning quiet time to that afternoon at home. I mean, everything, sometimes things that happen at work um, don't reflect that. That's good. That's a good reminder. I like that. 
Yeah, I take the Bible ask, to the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me ask you about, um, this is always a, one of my favorites because I love to go back and reflect on these. So a lot of people have a favorite verse. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to ask that. Or is there one that God has shown you in your life recently that you would share? Yeah, so Galatians 2.20 is definitely my favorite verse because that was a staple in my life. That, mm-hmm. that was a verse that um, I read and minutes later, I gave my life to Christ, and it, it absolutely brought me to my knees. Um, another book I've been I've been studying lately is Titus, and I found another verse similar to Titus or similar to Galatians, but Titus three five was one that I've really been studying lately. Um, it said He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the mm-hmm. washing and, of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, and that just that really hit home. Um, because again, it's not a works thing. And I think that's opposite of, of what a lot of um, worldly kingdoms or worldly um, glorification tells us. Because for us, um, for a lot of us, and like you said, any job, but in, in coaching or in football, um, as we're speaking specifically, um, our success comes by works. It comes by how much time we're putting in in the weight room, how much time we're putting in on film, whether we're getting those wins, whether we're scoring those touchdowns. Um, and everything like that. But this is just such a, a flip-flop from um, God's kingdom and world's kingdom and uh, world glorification and God glorification. So that that just has really been hit home. And I've been just trying to just live and die by that because it's not of works done. It's not by anything I can do. Um, we're absolute dirt um, in, in our own lives if, if we don't have Jesus to um, bring us up from that and bring us to life. So that's definitely one that has been hitting home for me. That's good. I wrote that one down. I wrote a um, good one to memorize. Um, I'm really trying uh, this year to up my game on scripture memory. I say that a lot, but I, I'm i trying this year to, to be a lot more intentional with that. And so um, one of the fun things about asking that question is I've come away with um, ones that I go back and memorize. Um, yeah. So I tell people all the time that I know – that question encourages people that listen, but oftentimes I feel like God uses that one to speak specifically to me. And if somebody else is encouraged, that's to me, that's a bonus because I feel like that one is, um, that's one of the questions that blesses me every time because oftentimes people um, will, will mention a verse that I, I'll, I'll go back and go, you know what, the next one I memorize, I'm going to hit that one. So that's good. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, I, I definitely got that that uh, that challenge from Ben Johnson when I came on his staff at FCA. He was challenging me to just get in the Word and memorize Scripture because that's something I'd been horrible with. I mean, I would read yeah. but not necessarily memorize Scripture. He's like, "Hey, man, in coaching you have plays. Well, and, and on FCA here, when we go out to coaches and players, we got plays and we got to know those plays. That's and right. That's that's Scripture memory right there and being able to pull those verses out." Um, and say those verses to coaches and athletes. And those are our plays. That's what God has called us to do. And um, if you have those plays memorized, you're going to be able to go out there and execute just like you would in a game. But if, if you don't have those plays memorized, you're not going you're not going to be able to run very many plays or be able to encourage very many coaches or athletes. So I definitely. That's good. I really, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a very good reminder. Um, last question, two words that are real big in sports all in. I mean, it's, it's on T-shirts, wristbands, chin strap, I mean, you name it. Mm-hmm. But also, if you really – you don't have to dig deep, but if you read through the Gospels, 
you know, Jesus talks about denying ourselves, being selfless, um, a way of saying being all in. So what does it look like? You've already kind of touched on some of it, though, but what does it look like in a practical sense on a daily basis for you to be all in your walk? Yeah, I think being all in means giving all yourself out. Um, I think that means um, your body, your mind and your spirit are all in to whatever you're doing, whether that's whether that's being a husband, whether that's being uh, the quarterback coach or pass game coordinator in my sense, whether that's being a teach a PE teacher, um, whether that's being a friend or a son or anything like that, it's being all in with your body. It's being all in with your mind. It's being all in with your spirit. Um, and just being able to bring all that together and being able to serve other people. Um, because being all in, if you look at Jesus, he, he was never about all in on himself. It was all mm. in for other people. He was a disciple or he made disciples. Um, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is one of my favorite verses talking about going out and make disciples of all nations. I think that's the biggest thing um, you can do um, for other people. And that's just not in coaching or that's just not in sports either. That's for anybody is being all in is going out there and being all in for Jesus and, and everything you do and making disciples like he tells us to do, um, loving on people um, and just being able to um, walk with them, being able to um, just love and serve them in any way you can. That's good stuff. I like that. Um, you know, that, a lot of people answer that, uh, you know, a thousand different ways. I, I, I like the way you, you took that toward discipleship, yeah. you know, all in with others. That's good stuff. Hey, I appreciate the time. I know we've um, tried to connect and schedules have been crazy. Uh, so I appreciate you um, hanging in there and making it happen. Yep. Thanks for having me, Stuart. It's been, been a lot of fun. Thank you again to Creighton for taking time to share his story and encourage me and I know encourage you that your relationship with Christ, no matter what, is always number one. That giving ourselves out to Jesus is what it means to be all in, body, mind, and spirit. That we need to be all in with others in discipleship as well. Living out the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And that just like coaches and athletes have a playbook and they memorize those plays, that we need to be in the Bible memorizing Scripture, that that is our playbook for life. So thank you again to Creighton. Um, I know, I again, I was encouraged. I know you are as well. I pray that you would uh, share this episode with a family member or a friend, someone in your life that needs to be encouraged today. We'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, allinsportsoutreach.org, or our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Type in All In Sports Outreach. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, interact with us, opportunities to pray, serve, and give. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your support and encouragement.